every leader of a growing business has experienced a restless night. A night where a new opportunity or daunting challenge got in the way of a decent night's sleep. When I'm up at night, I think about how to maintain culture. Where the company is headed. Like, what is the business challenge, you know, three steps ahead. That keeps me up. I worry that we won't grow fast enough. Making sure that people are feeling like they belong. I had somebody resign today. I have one meeting about billing, which I am looking forward to, actually. I find it fascinating. (laughs) From WeWork and Gimlet Creative, this is Up at Night. I'm John Henry. On this show, I talk with successful leaders of mid-sized businesses about how they've grown their companies and found success. I call them up at night when they're off the clock and hear what's really been keeping them up. This week, Rushmi Malgiri, co-founder of CoverWallet, an online platform for small business insurance. So when I'm up at night, I think about how to maintain culture across continents. What does ultimate success look like? And I never have an answer for that. (laughs) Like, when is it done? And uh, I sometimes ask myself, would I do it all again, right? Would I start another Mm. company knowing how much work this was? What's your answer right now? My answer right now is yes, I would do it all over again. (laughs) Rashmi and her co-founder started the company four years ago in New York City. Their flagship office is still there in a WeWork, and they've since expanded to Australia, Spain, and Rochester, New York. I caught up with her as she was wrapping up her day at the Cover Wallet's HQ in Midtown Manhattan. Oh, we're pausing for sirens. Typical <laughs> New York City. Cover Wallet is rethinking how companies shop for insurance by moving the process online. And they've clearly tapped into a need. The company is growing really fast. Today, CoverWallet has over 300 employees and tens of thousands of customers. But, of course, with that growth comes a whole set of opportunities and challenges. And lately, Rushmi spends a lot of time thinking about how to keep the company aligned while doing business across four countries and three different time zones. My mind really goes back to internally, how do we manage keeping everyone connected and on the same page about what we're trying to do so that we're not sort of becoming a series of franchises, right, in different markets, but it's all the same cover wallet look and feel and principles in each one of these markets. Mm. So how, how do you remedy that? How do you make sure the culture stays the same across borders? Yeah, uh, it's an active conversation right now, honestly. And it's not just borders. We have a Rochester, New York office. And, you know, a lot of the executives here also talk about that. Like, how do we make sure that they, you know, don't feel like they're out there alone? So we we try to be diligent about making sure that there are senior people that go to these offices on a somewhat regular basis um, and that are present. You know, sort of the original group that lives by the culture and can speak about, like, the highest things that are going on. And I think there's really no replacement for, you know, with as much teleconferencing tools, et cetera, that we have, there's no replacement for actually having, you know, someone who uh, is respected or a senior person from the company actually do an in-person visit and be there um, Mm -hmm. for some amount of time. So that's one big way that CoverWallet stays connected across borders 
by making sure senior leaders make regular in-person visits to each of the offices. But they also do this other thing, something I found pretty surprising. We have an 8.30 all-company meeting every morning. Even at the size of being 300 people, we still do this. 8.30 a.m., international, everyone's here. You heard that right. Every single day, first thing at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, all 300-plus employees worldwide have an all-company video call. The call is just 15 minutes long, never runs over, and every team is expected to present. Though no one from Australia is on the call because it's 1.30 a.m. there. What happens at this 8.30 a.m. meeting? It feels like just a feat to just get an entire group of people to report in at 8.30. Yeah, so what happens at the 8.30 meeting? Everyone is uh, barraged with a series of metrics. So we basically go over all of our key <laughs> metrics from the day before. Uh, so we have different executives who run different parts of the company just report on, you know, these were the numbers from yesterday, these are the numbers today. Um, we also recognize birthdays and work anniversaries and promotions, do general housekeeping. What I like about it is, you know, a lot of companies do that maybe once a week or once a month, or as you get more mature, right. maybe once a quarter, right? Um, but the visibility on those metrics gives you the chance to actually improve them. So if you're not looking at it for a week at a time or a month at a time, then you're not actually working on it, right? So right. as soon as a number is very off from where we think it is, people are addressing it that day and that they have an answer to it the next day. So uh, it's something I really actually, I, I like. Also, we're pretty forthcoming and transparent with all the employees. So like every time we have a board meeting, all the big topics that we talk about, the big strategic questions of the company, those discussions, we actually, we have it with the whole company. So usually the day after, um, we basically present to the company what we presented to the board. I think that's very unusual. Wow. You don't see a lot of companies do that. Um, but that's another mechanism where we just try to keep it transparent and not feel like the executives go and do one thing and we don't know what's going on. <laughs> and then I think that also helps internationally, right? Which is right. like, hey, this level of transparency, like you guys are getting the same information that everyone else is. Mm, mm, that makes sense. Highly unusual, but sounds like incredibly effective. So there's a the communication aspect, but there's also the challenge of providing remote executives with the support they need to build their own great teams. We're operational in Australia right now, and um, you know, there's one executive who's kind of running all of that. And poor guy, like his day is way long, right? Because if he's going to have an Australian <laughs> meeting, he's doing that either at 7 a.m. or uh, really late at night. At some point, right, this guy can't be working 14 hours a day handling all these different regions. So, you know, as we expand around the world and you have really a strong, strong knowledge base existing in the current executives, you know, how do you get everything out of that person's head and adequately train other folks to be able to do what that person does? You know, actually building teams uh, and disseminating that knowledge and making sure people are empowered to get stuff done and that we're actually all still communicating with each other. And then even just locally, like you expanded to Rochester, can you walk me through how you made that decision? Yeah. So, you know, part of it is New York City is incredibly expensive <laughs> to be operating a, a large team out of, right? You know, as we were growing quite a bit and we were looking at adding 
licensed agents and a sales force to keep up with all the demand we were getting. And we thought about expanding in New York City. It really just didn't make sense. Part of it was cost. And part of it was like, are we actually in the best area for talent in this regard? Rochester, one of the reasons it came up was just it has kind of a existing insurance backbone there. Hmm. That was one of the biggest reasons for Rochester. So at face value, it's it's kind of like a random place to choose to, to set up shop. And I can imagine it might have even been scary to deploy resources and, and time and attention to this market that isn't evident immediately that it would pay off. So were you worried about operating in a non-core market? Yeah, that was the first, you know, we had two offices when we started Rochester. It was our third. We had New York City and we had Madrid. And it went back to this, you know, same kind of, you know, keeping a senior presence there and making sure that they're, everyone's <laughs> doing the same thing, right? It's worked out fine. We've hired really great senior talent in Rochester. Um, but at the beginning, I think, you know, anytime you're kind of splitting a team across two offices, it's it's a little scary to to manage and to hope that everyone's reporting into the, the same person and feeling like equally included and, and all those cultural aspects. What do you hope you're worrying about a year from now or even five years from now? Five years from now, um, uh, I hope I'm worrying about how to, how to balance uh, having a family mm. and work. Mm. I'd like that area of my life to, to progress, right? I'd like to be in a relationship. I'd like to have children. So hopefully five years from now, that's, that's the struggle for me is work and that. I love that. And lastly, if you look at your calendar right now, what are you most looking forward to doing tomorrow? I have one meeting with another person on the senior team here about billing which I am looking forward to, actually. I find it fascinating. <laughs> the billing aspect of this company I find fascinating. Um, and then the other thing is I have a first date tomorrow, and the guy was funny on the app, so I'm, in, I'm looking forward to meeting him. <laughs> uh, that's exciting. Good luck on that. <laughs> we'll do a follow-up interview on that one. <laughs> That was Rashmi Malgiri, co-founder of Cover Wallet. It's hard to manage successful teams, period. But when a company expands internationally, it becomes exponentially trickier. Time zones, language barriers, and cultural differences are just a few of the factors that can get really complicated. It seems like that 8.30 a.m. meeting is a huge way that CoverWallet keeps employees happy and culture consistent. It ensures that everyone is connected and informed. Plus, the fact that every team presents every day means that everyone gets hurt. Rashmi told me that, for her, those early morning meetings are kind of like exercise. She doesn't always want to do them, but she's always glad she did. It's the best way to keep the company in sync. Next week, Sydney Sloan, CMO at SalesLoft, on what's keeping her up at night. 
when I've set expectations for myself and I don't deliver like I want to, that keeps me up. What else could I have done? What can I learn from it, right? Like I want to knock it out of the park every time. You've been listening to Up at Night, brought to you by WeWork and Gimlet Creative. Check it out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are out each Thursday. If you like what you heard, please leave a review, share with your colleagues, or tweet me at John Henry Style. We'd love to hear what you think. And don't forget to visit our blog, we.co slash up at night, where you'll find more advice and useful solutions for growing your business. Up at Night is produced by Carrie Ann Thomas and Emily Shaw. Executive produced by Nicole Wong. Our editor is Sarah Geis. Mixed by Molly Bolton. Zach Schmidt is our technical director. Our theme is by Marcus Thorne Bagala. Additional music from Marmoset and Billy Libby. Fact-checking by Soraya Shockley. I'm John Henry. Thanks for listening. And hey, wherever you are, try to get a good night's sleep tonight.